Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's jump in, jumping into this here. Before I get and go into a different message here. On the seven letters of the church, we, you know, we've, uh, we went through a couple of them the, a couple weeks prior, but let's just do a short little review. Now, now if you can remember when we were, when we were speaking on what we're, this conclusion was about, you know, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go through the first verse or two of each of, each of the letters of the church and go and reiterate, go over again, you know, discuss the, what Jesus said about himself, how he described himself to how he was going to relate himself to the churches in each letter. Or, you know, through their problems or through their praises or commendations, whatever it may be, but how he examined himself and described himself to the people. Why? Because Jesus desired to reveal himself to the church. How many of y'all know that? You know, Jesus desires, this is his desire. Amen. He wants to reveal himself and he wants to reveal his father unto the church. Amen. Now, Jesus is perfect theology. And when you see Jesus and everything that Jesus does is a perfect, perfect representation of the Father. Amen. There is no good cop, bad cop. You see Jesus, you see the Father. He is a perfect representation there. So he is trying to reveal himself and the Father to us and everything that he's doing. Now, in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, under the, under the angel at the church at Ephesus, under the pastor, under the apostle, the, the, the overseer, the bishop, or the elder, of the church of Ephesus. He goes, write these things, say, he that holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He's saying, write these things of that pastor and the one that's saying that to, the, to this loveless church, the church that has lost their first love. He says, I'm the one that intentionally walks among the churches. I'm the one, I don't take angels' words for it. I don't take, you know, uh, people's prayers, you know, uh, in account to what's going on. He goes, I personally come down to the churches and I'll walk among them. Why? Because they're my churches. They're my people. I not, he not only desires to lead the churches, he desires to commune with you in it. Amen. So what does he do? He comes down and he walks amongst the candlesticks. He comes down to these places. He says, I walk among those churches and I am the one that holds these seven stars or these seven angels in my hands. I'm the one that holds the, the pastor, the apostle, the, the overseer, the bishop. I'm the one that holds that elder, the one lead that I've placed in charge of that church. I hold them in my right right hand of authority. Amen. You say, why is that? Because I'm telling you, any proper ran church is a church ran by a minister that has been ordained of God. Amen. They're not doing it as a job. Amen. They're doing it as a call, as a, as a, a call or an ordination from God himself. Amen. Why? Because that's the only way to run a church. You say, what other people run church? Absolutely. There's churches all over the world that people do it as a career because they can make money at it or because they can speak good or whatever it may be. But I'm telling you, the churches you want to be involved in are ones that are ordained by God. Amen. That he has placed someone in that position that will hear from him, that will you know, uh, you know, meditate on the things that he's asking to give to the church, and then he will deliver those things. He will deliver that message, not just a sermon, but a message unto the church. Amen. Now, let me say this, too. Now, listen, there's many people out there that, are, that are, you've been watching online, many people that listen to our podcast, you know, maybe some people even in, in our church locally. But listen, there's many people that fight against 
are fighting against being fully submitted unto the things of God. Amen. And in that, when you're looking at things that go on the church, you look at some of these messages that get preached. And I'm telling you, sometimes you can get very irritated by the words that go forth. Amen. You can get irritated by the words that go forth. And you say, how is that? I mean, people say, well, how dare you try to change me by the things you say from the pulpit? Amen. How dare you try to change my friends? Don't that, that's, that's not your job to do that. You know, how, how dare you put a demand on me by the things that come out from the word? And listen, I'm going to tell you, church, and I'm tell, I'll tell you this by the Spirit. Listen now. You know, it's not the minister that's trying to change these things in your life. Amen. See, if you get out of your carnal way of thinking, if we will repent, change our way of thinking, get hooked up with the Lord himself, it's not the minister that's trying to change those things. I'm telling you, it's the word and it's the presence of God that changes those things. Amen. The word puts a demand on you. The word, when it goes forth, it, it puts a demand on you to change your life. When the word goes forth, his presence mixed in with his word will change the people around you. Don't get mad when friends start going and moving off in a different direction because you, you've decided to stay stagnant in a place. Amen. No, grab a hold of those coattails when they start take off running, amen, and try to keep up with them, amen. Because I'm telling you, the word will put a demand on you. It puts a demand on you. And I'm telling you, that can be uncomfortable if you want it to be uncomfortable. It can be enjoyable if you allow it to be enjoyable. But the, but the key matter is the word will put a demand on you. It's just like a seed. The seed, the word of God is a seed. When it gets placed into the ground, it puts a, it, it, uh, the seed puts a demand on the ground. You say, what does that mean? It puts a demand on the soil. I mean, if it's going to grow up and it's going to change the culture, it's going to change the community, it's going to change the topography, it's going to change the scenery around it from a little seed turned into a tree, it puts a demand in that soil. You say, what does that mean? It grabs that soil. It grabs the water out of the soil. It grabs the minerals out of the soil. It grabs, it grabs anything it needs to bring life out of that soil, and then it begins to, to go forth. The same thing is with the Word of God. When the Word of God goes forth, and it gets planted in a cultivated heart, it begins to put a demand on that heart. Why? That that heart begins to conform to the word of God. Amen. See, the word's not satisfied with you having one foot in and one foot out. It wants all of you. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is jealous. Our God is a jealous God, and he wants all of you. And it will put a demand on you to change your life, to get rid of the, the worldly culture that we've permitted to come in, that we've been trained up in even as kids, amen? And it demands you to be the Word of God, to live the Word of God, to where you begin to speak the Word of God. You act like the Word of God. We begin to be image bearers of Christ, amen? To where you not only just know, know a few good verses and can repeat them. No, you pray like Jesus. You talk like Jesus. You you walk like Jesus. You command sickness to leave like Jesus. You raise people from the dead like Jesus. I'm telling you, this is what we're called to do, but the word is going to put a demand on you to get there. Amen. It doesn't want to leave you as a little baby walking around in pampers the rest of your life. Amen. It, it wants you to grow up and be a, a man or woman in the kingdom of God doing something for the kingdom. Amen. Just stop fighting against it. Amen. Stop fighting against. I'm telling you, a life change is being is being planted on the inside of you. Don't fight against it. Receive it. Amen. Allow it to change you. And I'm telling you, it, it'll do a wonderful work in you. I promise you, it will do a wonderful work in you. Hallelujah. It says unto the church at Smyrna, unto the angel in Smyrna, he goes, write these things, say it the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. You know, unto this 
church that's been persecuted by Satan himself. It says it was, this church was seated in the, in the city where, where Satan had his throne. Amen. This is where Satan's seat was seated. Amen. And he says, he says, I know because I am the first and the last, the one that was dead. And now I lie because I know you've been persecuted. I know, I know trials have been coming against you. I know you've even lost your job because of persecutions. I know the religious people are coming against you trying to, trying to shut you down. But he, he goes, have no fear for any of these things because I am the first. And I'm also the last. I was, here, I was here long before the religious came and tried to shut you down. I was here long before the governments tried to come and shut you down. I was here long before they tried to fire you because you wanted to pray before you ate at, 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 at your job. I was here long before those things. And I'm telling you, when, even when religion or people back you in a corner, he goes, have no fear, I'm here with you. I'm there with you in the corner. I, I was the first, but listen, church, I'm also the last. Long after, long after these things are gone, long after Satan has, has been you know, bound for a thousand years, long after he's placed in the lake of fire for eternity, he goes, I, I'm still the end. I'm still the first, and I will be the last as well. He goes, even I, even I was killed. I was dead. Amen, but the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the living God raised me back up in life. And I'm telling you, he is doing the same thing on the inside of each and every one of us. Amen. Glory to God. It says unto, unto the angel, unto the angel of the church at Pergamos, he goes, write these things, saith he, who has the sharp sword with two edges. The sharp sword with two edges. Now, now Jesus Jesus talking to this church that was full of compromise, amen? The church that was leading sons and daughters into compromise, not son, maybe, you know, definitely physical sons and daughters, but I'm talking about sons and daughters of the Spirit leading, leading these into compromising doctrines that were, that were harming things in their city, amen? He says unto them, unto the angel of the church of Pergamos, write these things. I'm the one that has the sharp, two-edged sword. I have the sharp, two-edged sword. Listen, church. I know we talked about this a little bit last go-around, but listen, we need to not yield ourselves into darkness or, or persecution. Listen, we can't yield ourselves into compromise. Amen? We got to stand firm and stand firm in the Word of God. Stand firm in, in these things. Listen, because we are overcomers in Christ, but I'm telling you, you are defeated in compromise. Amen. You can be an overcomer anytime we step in and believe God and we are overcomers already. But anytime you, you allow a compromise to come into, your, into existence in your being, when you start accepting things, regardless if Satan's seed is in your city or not, I'm, I'm telling you, when you allow compromise to come in, I'm telling you, it's going to defeat you. Amen. But where this persecution comes in, I mean, don't give in to that persecution. When persecution comes in, listen, this is when the kingdom of God begins to flourish. This is when the kingdom of God begins to grow, begins to flourish, and great things come for it, but we don't compromise with these things. We need to push back on them, amen? What was this church doing? Remember, they had, they had uh, the doctrine of Balaam come in there, or Balaam, however you want to pronounce it. That doctrine came in. It was an anti-Christ doctrine where they're putting st uh, stumbling blocks in front of people to where, to where they could you know, either exalt their own church, exalt, exalt themselves, or financially prosper from these things. And I'm telling you, the Lord does not, does not allow these things of compromise to come in. They also had the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which he, which he says he hates. 
Amen. This is, this is that doctrine that, that permits compromise, permits little picking and choosing from different religions, different cultural things that you, that you did and, and allow those things to come into the church thinking it's going to be okay. Well, it's not okay. Amen. Jesus has called us to be separate 100%, not compromise with anything. Amen. This doctrine also leads forth to the, to the separation of leaders and the commoners of the church. Amen. We're, we're all one and the same in the church. And I'm telling you, Jesus does not like compromise. He doesn't like these things in the church. Instead of compromising, we need to take the risk of persecution. Amen. Instead of compromising because we think it's going to grow our church or that is there, that we're going to get people to like us. Amen. We need to begin to push back against these things, stand firm against it. Why? Because Jesus says, I'm the one that has a sharp two-edged sword. He said, I have the sharp two-edged sword, that, that two-mouth sword, that, that when I come to agreement with the Father, when I speak, things begin to happen. I have this sharp two-edged sword that, that, that will divide your soul and your spirit. It will divide the bone and the marrow. It, will, it is a discerner, or that word is actually is a judge of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. I'm telling you, the Word of God judges the thoughts and the intents of your heart, and it knows compromise. It knows if you're all in. It knows your motive and what you're doing in everything in life, church. I'm telling you, the Word of God judges these things in our life. It is a sharp, two-edged sword. Amen? Remember, Jesus doesn't walk around with a sword like a, like a soldier has. He's not walking around with a steel sword wanting to go around and stab someone. No, no, Jesus walks around with something much more powerful than that. He walks around with a sword that when he speaks, I'm telling you, the Bible says that the heavens, that the skies roll up like a scroll when he speaks. When he speaks, I'm telling you, mountains move. When he speaks, circumstances changes. When he speaks, life comes back into the things that are dead. And I'm telling you, he speaks, I'm telling you, judgment comes forth from it. From his word, judgment is going to be coming. The whole word, the, every person on this earth, judgment's coming for it. Amen. By the words that will be spoken out of his mouth. Amen. For the Christians, praise God. We don't have to, we don't have to worry about uh, salvational type of, uh, type of judgment. We get the, the bema seat. We get the reward seat of Christ. But I'm telling you, judgment is coming to this earth. Amen. And thank God we need to get people on our side of the judgment. Amen. On the good side of judgment. I like this uh, I like this verse here that, uh, that Paul says in, in Romans chapter 2, verse 16. It says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. <laughs> listen, listen in the Passion. It's, it's pretty good too. It says, This judgment will be revealed on the day when God, through Jesus the Messiah, judges the hidden secrets of men's hearts. It blows me away. People think they can hide things from God. You know, I got secrets no one knows about. I'm telling you, Jesus knows everything. Amen. He He says that judges the hidden secrets of people's hearts. And their response to my gospel will be the standard of judgment used in that day. Guys, you want to know what confidence, confidence looks like? You, know, you want to know what a confident man or a woman of God looks like? I'm telling you, you're looking at it right here. You're looking at it right here. One that is, that is so in union, so one with Jesus himself. Paul sits up and he's sitting there talking to, to the Roman church here. And he says, you know what, guys? He goes, you guys, you, no, no one's going to be judged by, Paul, uh, by, by Peter's gospel. No one's going to be judged by what John said. No one's going to be judged by what Calvin said. No one's going to be judged what, by what Armenian said or, or St. Augustine said or St. Athanasius 
Isaiah said. No, they're not going to be judged by those things. You know what you're going to be judged by? My gospel. Why? Because when I speak, it's Jesus speaking through me. I'm telling you, that shouldn't just be Paul that's speaking those things. That should be us. We should be so in tune, inclined with the word of God, so, so in one with the spirit of God that when words come out of our mouth, amen, we should say, man, these, these are the words that are going to be judged in the world. I'm telling you, you might want to pay attention to the words that come out of our mouth because I am a representative. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are ministers of reconciliation. Church, the things that come out of our mouth, we're representing the King of kings and the Lord of lords, amen. Paul had it. Paul had it on point. But, but see, you're gonna have, we're going to have to get into that union with him, that, that communion with him, that, that intimacy with the living one to where, to where we know that anything that he says is what's flowing through our mouth. Anything that we say is, is what he's desiring. Amen. Just like Jesus, I don't, I don't speak anything that the Father doesn't tell me to say. I mean, how many of us can say that? Hmm? I'm, I'm speaking to myself here too. How many of us can say that? We're not sitting back and we're mad at someone talking about, no, no, no. Jesus, I don't say anything that the Father doesn't say. It's all about a union. It's all about that union. You say, oh, man can't do that. That was just Jesus. Look at Paul. Paul said it. Paul said, you don't have to worry about what all these other preachers have been saying. Listen, you're going to be, it will be judged by, by my gospel that's been preached. Whew. I'm telling you, church, that's some powerful stuff right there. That's some powerful stuff right there. Under the church at Thyatira. Whew, where did my time go? Under the church at Thyatira. Ha <laughs> oh, this is a good one. It says, under the, under the angel of the church at Thyatira, write, these things say the Son of God, who had eyes like a flame of fire, whose feet are like fine brass, under the church with bad doctrine. He says, under the, under the church, that bad doctrine that even permitted Jezebel to be a leader in the church, to be a teacher, to be a prophetess in the church, who was teaching the church immoral, ungodly doctrines, amen, to where even the children of the church, the sons and daughters of the church are being seduced by her ways. He tells them, I am the son of God. Listen, that's a, that's a definite article there. He's not saying, listen, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm a son of God. I'm, I'm one of the sons of God. No, no, Jesus saying, I am the son of God. See, if you have, see, you may have a problem listening to your pastor. You may have a problem listening to, to one of the leaders in the church. Jesus saying, listen, you may have a problem listening to all those. You may even have a deaf ear to the Holy Ghost, but I'm telling you, I'm speaking for something. This is the son of God speaking. You may want to open up your ears and pay attention to what I'm having to say to you. I am the firstborn of all the brethren. Just because you think you're in rebellion and you can't hear, listen, the Son of God is here. To, he's coming to set things straight. He says, saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like into a flame of fire. I love that word, hath. He's like, you know, the one that I've, all, and I've had all these things in the past, and I have them right now in the present. He says, I have these things. I have them like, the, like eyes under the flame of fire. Listen, that, that sounds a little interesting or a little different there, how he describes himself as a fl- his eyes are like a flame of fire. You know, what, what the, the flame that's talking about here, it's not talking about the heat source. It's talking about, it's a, more of a descriptive word of the flame, amen? It's talking about uh, uh, things or characteristics or things associated with the flame, like the magnificence of a flame. 
the ability of a flame to mesmerize you. To, to draw you in to where you to where all you do is sit there and focus. I mean, I, I know what you got. I know you know you. I know you guys know what I'm speaking of. Anytime you get around a fire, you can get little kids around a fire. You can even get adults. And when the fire's just going, the flames are just going mad. I'm telling you, it just draws you in. And we have we have a tendency just to sit there and stare at the flame and the movement of the flame. You say, why is that? Because it has a personality to it. It's drawing you into it. There, there, there's something about that that personality of a fire that draws us in. Listen. And this is where we get the pyromaniacs, right? The people that have uh, fire going on. They love fire so much that they begin to, to set fire on different types of things just to see it burn. Why? Because they're mesmerized. They're pulled in by that fire, and they, they'll light fire to anything just to see it burn because they get mesmerized by it. You know, I was a... a you know, I, when, I, when, I was, when I was a wee boy, I guess I was about 12 years old, yeah, when I was about 12 years old, I was, uh, me and one of my mates were going back to his house, and, and we were skateboarding, you know, you know kicking along in a, in a hot summer, summer's day. I, this was, would have been on our, our summer holiday. And as we were, we were pushing through, you know, one of the big Texas storms come through. I mean, it don't rain all the time in Texas, but when it rains, I'm telling you, church, it rains. Like, you know, here it rains. You can be dry going through the rain, but when it rains in Texas, you will be soaked from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. And that rain started pouring down, and we're, we, so we started kicking harder on those skateboards trying to get, trying to, get to his house, and, and lightning started popping. If you've ever been, you know, in, in the States, you know how that is, too. I mean, lightning was just popping all over the place, and I, I, I love lightning. I love lightning storms. I think they're, I think they're are beautiful, but but you, you, we, you know when we grew up in in the south there, you kind of learn these things because lightning's all the time. It's like how close is that lightning? You know, so that you'll see a lightning flash in the sky, and then you count like one Mississippi, two Mississippi. I don't know what y'all count over here, but we do we do Mississippi. So one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and each second is is, is a mile for how far that lightning is. Amen. So so when we first started kicking, that lightning was popping, and you'd see see you know it'd be like two or three seconds away, several miles and so we're, we're moving forward. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing bursts of light, and you'd hear it pop. You know, it'd be popping as quick as you'd see the light. And you're like, oh, man, we, you know, we, we better get that, that light. The lightning's right on top of us here. And we pulled right in, into the driveway of, my, of my, uh, one of my mate's house. And, and as we did, lightning just lit up the sky. And it hit this house right across the street from him. I mean, just hit, hit the roof. Poof. And we, we were sitting there watching it like, oh, man, I wonder if that's going to catch on fire. And then they caught on fire. And then we sat there, and we're just sitting there watching it. Just sitting there watching like, wow, look at that burning. And then his sister comes out of the house. You idiots, what are you doing? Why didn't y'all call 911 if that house is on fire? And we're like, I don't know. You know, but we're, I mean, we're just sitting there just watching this house burn. You know, just a little bit of the roof that was burning at this time, you know. But, but I mean... Beside the fact that we're utterly selfish, I guess at that age we didn't really we didn't really care what was going on. It was it was the fact that this that this flame was was pulling us in. It was just it was just it was amazing to see what what it can do. Now this this is like the eyes of Jesus, right? This is what he's describing his eyes. They they're so mesmerizing. They're so powerful. It will pull you in. It will make you stop what you're doing when you when you make eye to eye contact with him. Church, this is what this is what I'm talking about. He he is trying to draw us in. Amen. We need to allow to see him, our, allow ourselves to see him in the spirit to where we can allow him to draw us things. I'm telling you, those eyes, they're mesmerizing. He says they are like a mesmerizing, addictive flame of fire. 
Now, this word fire here, it actually describes what's actually taking place here. It's describing the substance. It's describing the heat. Amen. The flame may pull you in. Amen. But the, but the fire is going to burn. The fire will purify. The fire will burn you up. Amen. I'm telling you, there's two characteristics of a fire that we get to choose. Amen. You can allow it to burn you up. You say, what do I mean by that? You know, fire will burn up the chafe. It will burn up dead limbs. It will burn up the things that are useless, the things that are not wanted. Amen. The things that aren't, that aren't fulfilling its purpose. It will burn those things up, and the fire will do that. Amen. But see, the same fire that'll burn things up that, that are that are that are that are rubbish that are that are put in the rubbish bin. Amen. The same fire that'll burn them up. It can also be a refining fire. It can also be a refining fire to to burn out the impurities that's in you that's making you less of value. Amen. I'm telling you, refining fire is powerful. It's powerful, but you're going to have to allow those things to happen. You're going to have to allow those things to happen. I've got to the place where I, where I actually enjoy. Now, I've been, you can be burnt by the fire, but I, I enjoy that refiner's fire coming in on the inside of me. I enjoy it melting off the culture of the world, that, that, the little bits and pieces that are, that are left in me. And I'm telling you, I enjoy it. I desire it. I ask him where those things can be seen, that, that, that these things can be burnt off. Because like, I don't want to look anything like the world. I want to be an absolute image bearer of him and everything that I do. I want people to look at me and they don't see Ryan. They don't see a pen. They don't see a Texas man. They don't, they don't see anything but him in me. Amen. Now we act like him, talk like him, worship like him, break bread together like him, love like him, have compassion like him, rebuke like him, hmm? command darkness like him. Raise the dead like him. I'm telling you, church, this, but this, all, this all takes place in the refining's fire, the refiner's fire. Amen. You get, and you've got to have that desire to get in and allow those impurities to be melted off away from you. Amen. Molding you into that image bearer that he's calling you to be. Whew. He says his eyes are like a flame of fire. And his feet are like fine brass. That word fine there is, is translated burnished, silver, bronze, polished, and it's even white hot. But most of the time, if not all the time, I'll use almost because I'm not 100% sure, but, but most of the time in the Old Testament, brass is used as symbolic to judgment. Symbolic to judgment. Just like, just like in reference, say, to Numbers 21, right, where the... Where the where the Israelites were out in the wilderness and they, they got to, to talking bad about Moses, complaining about Moses. They didn't, they didn't want their spiritual leader anymore. They started talking bad about God. We want to go back to Egypt. We want to do these things. And, and all of a sudden, judgment came. Amen. The fiery serpents were, were released, and these, these, these vipers, these serpents were biting people, and it was killing people. Amen. So Moses, the intercessor, amen, went, went, to, went to the Lord, and he said, hey, Lord, you know, we got to do something about that. You know, we, you know, let's, let's, we need to save these people. He says, all right, build, build a, a fiery serpent. Build, this, build a brass serpent and, and put it on a stake, and if they gaze upon that serpent, they shall live. Amen. So, so what happened? He built this, this serpent, fiery serpent, put it on the stake, set it out there, and he 
and told people, if you get bit, just look on this and you're going to be saved, which is powerful. Because see, the judgment that was, that was placed upon these men that were out there that, that, were, that were cursing God, cursing Moses, you know, they, they were getting bit, dying off. If they could just put their gaze, that judgment that was placed upon them now got placed upon that fiery serpent, that, that serpent of brass. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing when, when you know that everything in the Old Testament is Christocentric, all right? You see, it's the same way, the judgment that was placed on us that we deserved, amen, how we were, we were cursing God in rebellion against the things of God, and that judgment that rightly was deserved to be placed on us, all we got to do is place our gaze upon that serpent. All we got to do is place that, that gaze upon Jesus that, that, that has hung upon that stake, amen, that same judgment that was put upon us got put upon him. Amen. And we got to receive all the blessings for it. We got to receive all the healing from it. We got to see all the goodness from it. I'm telling you, even, even the medical world knows about this. Melvin would talk about this all the time, about, about if you look at the, the ambulances and maybe it's the pharmacies or, or something like that. They have, the, they have the snake, you know, crawled around the staff, you know, as part of their logo. I mean, this is like internationally known. Why is that? Because it comes from scripture. Amen. Because it, it comes from Scripture, from that, from that judgment be removed, and healing came forth unto the people. Amen. But I'm telling you, that's a, that's a, we, should, we should have gone over there and taught on that for a little bit. That's, a, that's actually a good Scripture there in, in Numbers 21. But, but anyhow, so what is, Jesus, what is Jesus saying about this? If he's saying, I am the one that has you know, feet that are as fine as brass. I've, his feet are like fine brass. What's Jesus saying? He took our punishment. He took our judgment. He, 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 gave, he, he purchased for us redemption in the, in the rebirth, and it's available for anyone who believes and confesses these things. Amen. But we have to also remember, remember Jesus is the one with the sharp two-edged sword. Amen. He, he is the one that, he is the word that is the discerner. It is the judge of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Amen. It is the judge of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. This is where this is where we this is where he knows if we're in Christ or out of Christ. If we're the fakers or we're the, the real ones. If we're the ones playing church or if we are the church. If we're the religious ones or if we're the sons and daughters. Amen. It, it comes from that from that judgment of the thoughts and the intents of our heart, you know. You know, speaking on judgment, you know, I would I would have said this for years, and I would have I would have preached this because it's kind of this kind of comes through our vein, and many of you may you know that have heard me over the years may have even heard me say it, you know, but but I've always I've always made this statement that that God. We're in a we're in a season, we're in an age right now where where there is no judgment taking place. I mean, where there is no judgment. That's taking place, amen. We're, we're in the dispensation of grace, and we are in the dispensation of grace, amen. And, I, and I put, you know, most of the people in our vein, they, you know, the, the way we preach, they would, they, a lot of the, not all of them, but a lot of them would minister in that direction. And, and this is where the, one of the ways I would have been taught up. We, you'd use Luke 4, 18 and 19, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. 
And then we, we, you know, I, I'll go forth and I'll say, you know, you can go back to Isaiah 61 and, and, and Jesus stopped because, you know, the, at the end of that, that verse, it says, and the day of the vengeance of our God. Amen. And Jesus didn't come to preach the day of vengeance of our God. And he didn't. But that, that day is coming. Amen. We know that. Why? Because it was spoken in the word and those things can't change. You know, it was spoken as Isaiah 61 and it will come to fruition. Amen. And it's not come to fruition why we're in this dispensation of grace right now. It will come, amen, after the tribulation. It, it will come when, when the full judgment comes to take place. Amen. Th these things will happen. Amen. But, but to say that, that there is no judgment in this world right now, that's a... I, I, I'm, I'm gonna have, I'll have to pull back that statement because I don't know if that's necessarily accurate. I don't see how we can read through these, these scriptures and see that there is no judgment. Amen. Because there is. Amen. The word is a judge of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. There is judgment. Now, it's not, not going to judge us on, our, on, on a salvational issue. Amen. It's not judging on, on past sins or anything like that. But there is a judge. Amen. And, and his name is Jesus. Amen. There, there is a judge. Now, listen, all this comes from an impoverished definition, an impoverished definition of judgment. Amen. Thinking that judgment only has to do with condemnation, and it does not. It does not. It's not only about sending someone to hell or not. There, there is a, a judgment that, that comes forth. Listen, judgment is not just condemnation to hell. Amen. As, as I said before, we are in this age, this dispensation of grace, and God, hmm, okay, look. We are in this dispensation of grace. And now when I'm talking this, don't get these things confused, amen. And I'm not saying, I'm not even coming anywhere near the fact, if you've ever been around me, I'm not saying that God is sending hurricanes or he sent COVID-19 to come and judge people. He's, you know, sent, you know, earthquakes. That, that, now, listen, that's not God. That's Satan 100% of the time coming to destroy, to steal, to kill, and destroy. That, that, that's his ministry. That's not God's ministry. God came to give us abundant life, amen. There, there, is, there is a difference there. God is not doing those things, but, but God literally came to come and separate. That's what, that's what, that's what the judgment means to separate. Amen. It means to separate anything. What that comes against his love. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He had judged anything that comes against his love, anything that comes against his word, anything that comes against his people. He will separate. He will judge those things and he will make those things right. Mm. It just depends on what side of that judgment we're going to be on. You know, are we for him or are we against him? I'm telling you, we want to be the right, on the right side of these things. Amen? You don't want to be just a Christian in name only. You know, you, you need to be one that's pressed in. You need, you, need to be a, you need to be one that is a proper Christian, one that is believing and confessing these things and, and, and living, after, living after the things of God, you know. You know, Rick Renner would say here, he says this, this, this word for bronze and this word for brass here, he goes, it, it's, it's a heavy word, meaning that, that it takes a lot of weight. It's a slow-moving process. And he'd say that, that this judgment that Jesus brings, amen. Now remember, he, now, remember, he's talking to the church here. This judgment that he brings, it'd be a slow-moving process. It's something that, that, comes, that it comes slowly to, to people that in church say, why is that? Because God desires that we repent. Amen. This is, this is his angle on all things that we change the way our thinking. He gives us loads of time, loads of opportunity to do these things. I mean, look at verse 
Look at verse 21 here. It says, and he gave her space, talking about Jezebel, he gave her a space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her in a bed. And to them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Amen. He's saying, listen. He's like, listen, I, I, I've given her plenty of time. I gave her a season to operate. She decides she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do it. So her and all the people that are following with her, they're going to get cast into this bed of tribulation. I'm telling you, tribulation isn't good. It's never described as something good. I mean, he's, he's permitting some things. He's permitting Satan to, to come and have their way with, with them because of the things that have been going on. Amen. And what was the backside of that? He says, except they repent of their deeds. So he even comes back again on the backside and says, you know, but, but I'm still given one more opportunity. Amen. If you'll just change the way you think on these things, begin to think like and begin to yield unto what I'm doing. Get away from this false doctrine. Get away from this, this garbage that you, that you guys have permitted into the church. And he goes, and, and, and these things won't come to pass. This judgment won't come to pass in your life. So if Jesus received our judgment, when he got on the cross, if God placed judgment upon him, do we get judged now? And I see this is, this is something I think that really needs to be corrected in the church. I think we got two deep ditches. Amen. One that says judgment, there's no judgment whatsoever. You know, we're in the dispensation of grace. Everything's grand. Everything's perfect. God loves us, and he does. He, is our, he wants great things for us, and he does. He's going to provide all these things for us, and he will. Amen. But to say that there is no judgment that doesn't verify with the word of God. Amen. But to say God is looking to judge you, and he's here to punish you for everything. Listen, that's not, that's not in the word of God either. Amen. One's a fear tactic, and one is... One is I don't even know what we would describe this other side over here, but, it, but, it's, but it's in the other side of the ditch. We need to pull ourselves back into the middle of the road and allow our doctrine to come from the word of God, not from our favorite preachers. Amen? Because I'm telling you, preachers make mistakes. Amen? You know, preachers, he will sway back and forth. Listen, I've done it. I've, you know, I, like, I, I'll agree with John Osteen on this fact. You know, if the Holy Ghost brings me revelation, listen, I reserve the right to change my doctrine at any time. Amen, because I'm telling you, I used to preach this, that there, there is zero judgment upon, upon anyone that's in the church. But I'm telling you, that's not what the word says here. Jezebel, she was in the church. You know, Jesus was, was desiring for her to repent. He was desiring for her to change things in her life. But I'm telling you, she was leading the church astray, and he wasn't having that. So what does God judge us on? Listen, he's not going to judge you on your salvation. No, that's, 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 that, that, that's not it. Don't get in that ditch. He's not, he's not going to judge you. He's not trying to take your salvation away. He won't do that. Now, you may give your salvation away, but he doesn't take it away. Amen. He, he will not do that. Amen. He's not judging you on, on past sins that have taken place. But what? But I'm telling you what, church. It's absolutely apparent that he will judge us on our actions in the church. And how we, how we hold his church, what we do in the church, what we teach in the church. Our actions that, that, are, that are in the church. And I'm telling you, these things are absolutely serious-like. Where is that? Come with me real quick here to... I want to prove this out to you here for a second. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In verse 16 here it says, Know you not that you are the temple of God? 
and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's powerful. He says, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. If any man defile, see this word for defile and destroy here, it's the same word in the Greek. Amen. So what's this saying? Any, if, any man, if any man defile this temple of God, it says, him shall God defile. For the temple of God is holy. He, he, if any man destroy the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Amen. So what, what's this saying? I'm telling you, God is a protector of the church. God is a protector of his government he instituted. God is a protector of the sons and daughters he has placed in the church. And I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, he may not judge you on your salvation. He may not judge you on past sins. But I'm telling you, you are responsible for what you are doing in the church, what you're speaking in the church, any any. Any dissension you're bringing in the church, anything you're doing to destroy the church, anything you're doing to defile the church, I'm telling you, Jesus says, I'm going to hold you accountable for it. This is my church. This is my church. This is my place of protection. This is my place where people are going to, are going to grow up. This is my place where people are going to mature. This is my place where people are going to find their callings and their destinies. And he is very protective of it. Very protective of it. And he says, listen, if you defile my church, I'm telling you, I'm going to defile you. I'm telling you, that's a powerful statement from the Lord. He says, you are my temple. He's, who's he talking? He's talking to the church at Corinth here. He's a church, church at Corinth, Island Church. You are my temple. The Spirit of God lives in you. If you defile my church, whew, hmm, I'm going to defile you. I'm going to bring judgment to you. I'm, 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 I'm going to get things straight in your life. Why? Because I'm not going to allow you to move my children. I'm not going to allow you to teach you know, immoral doctrines. I'm not going to allow you to destroy people in the church. I'm not going to allow you to put your mouth on people in the church. I'm not going to allow these things to happen. Listen, church, we, we, we've, all, we've all seen some of these amazing ministers that had amazing anointings that died at 38 years old, died at 42 years old, died, died young lives, and they had many problems in their ministries that were, that, were, that were doing some harm just like they were doing good. I'm telling you, church, God's protective of it. He's protective of his church. He's protective of his people. And we need to come to this realization and, and get, out, get out of the stinking ditches. And just because we have favorite preachers, man, and they, and they, they th say one thing, listen, listen, back everything you up, everything you believe with the word of God. This, this needs to be your doctrine. I mean, every, everything that comes out of my mouth, listen, it needs, to be, it needs to be backed up with this. And if it can't be backed up with this, I'm telling you, you need to kick it to the curb. Amen. Allow things to challenge you. Allow things to, to, to get you to stir, stir you up so you can get into the word of God. But, but I'm telling you, everything needs to be backed up by the spirit of God and the word of God in everything we do. If it's not, it's not worthwhile. Amen. It's just going to lead you down the wrong path. So, so what are we saying? Church. Church leaders, future leaders. Amen. We need to be honest with people. Amen. We need to be honest with them. When you see people walking towards a cliff, I'm telling you, church, we need, we, need to, we, need to, we need to help them not fall over the cliffside. Amen? Why? Because God loves them. God, God desires them. God wants people to find their callings and their destinies. He want, he, and he's putting us in a path to help people. Amen? 
this whole, this whole game of, of everyone needs to be best friends and best mates, I'm telling you, there, there has to be some leadership. Amen. There has to be leadership in the kingdom of God, and we, we need to allow these things to happen. You know, what is... Good Lord, I don't even know why I get into all this. Listen. <laughs> you know, Paul talking to, talking to one of his sons, Timothy, who was a leader, who was an apostle of many churches. You know, he sat there and told him, he said, listen, listen, guys. And, and Timothy chapter 3, it is, he goes, hey, listen, if, if people are bringing division in your church, he goes, you need to warn them. Why? Because you don't want God to bring judgment on it. You know, you need to warn them. You need to warn them once. And then you come back, you warn them again. And if they don't listen that second time, you need to, you need to ask them to leave. They need to, they, need to, they need to leave the church. I'm telling you, most people wouldn't even let Paul in the church nowadays. Oh, my God, he don't love people. No, he does love people that much. Amen, to where he confronts things that aren't right. I mean, people wouldn't allow Jesus in the church either nowadays. You know what he, how, he, how he dresses these things? He says, you come to people, you tell, you tell them once. If they have sinned against you, you come to them, and you, and you tell them what the problem is. If they don't listen to you, you take two or three witnesses with you. Why? Because out of the mouth of every two, uh, two or three witnesses, let every word be established. They don't listen to those two or three witnesses, you take it before the church. If they don't listen to the church, you treat them like a sinner or like a tax collector and a Gentile. <laughs> Why? Because God is protective of his church. He's protective of his people. Amen. And we need, to, we need to be like Jesus. Amen. We need to be like Jesus. We need to be protective of his word, the purity of his word. Not allow ourselves to get off on different things just because something's cool or because I want someone to like us or because or this is the kind of Christian I want to be. No, no, we, we, we need to be word people, Holy Ghost people. And, and everything that we do, amen, allow, allow these things to minister to us and allow, which will allow Jesus to help us to, to change a generation, amen. Brother Hagin said this one time, and I'll end with this because I feel like I'm fixing to get into a big rambling spree here. But Brother Hagin said this, why people are, you know, concerned about the Holy Ghost you know, moves, the Holy Ghost, you know, meetings that they're having. He's, and he said, the Lord told me, he goes, if I, if I didn't allow, if I didn't, if I didn't, you know, press into these Holy Ghost meetings, he goes, he goes, we're on the verge of a whole generation that's never seen the power of God. A whole generation. I'm, I'm telling you, church, you know, we, we, the church can get so far off even in our doctrines. We can, we can, we can go and it'll be almost a whole generation that, that, gets, that gets moved off into a ditch. I'm telling you, that can't happen. That can't happen. We need, yeah, we need to be men and women of the word. Now, just leave, I'll leave it with that. Amen. And we'll pray, and I guess we will continue on next week into the next, next couple churches. Amen. So, Father, we thank you. Father, we thank, you for, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your opportunity, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that for your word that you placed upon my heart, Lord, to, to build up leaders without compromise, to build up sons and daughters without compromise, to build up sons and daughters full of integrity of the word of God, Lord, that, 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 no, that, that, that they're not mean, they're not, they're not hateful, but they, but they are in so in love with you, Lord that your goodness flows through them, Lord, and they desire people to, to be more like you. 
Lord, I ask for that refining fire of your word to come upon each and every one of us and shave off any of this worldly doctrine, any of this worldly culture that, that we permitted, that we have allowed into our churches, that we have allowed into our own personal lives, Lord, to, that we can, be, we can be purified, not just in spirit, but in our, but in our soul and even to our flesh, Lord, to that everything about us, Lord, looks like you, talks like you, acts like you, lives like you. Lord, where people will treat us. This we, the wee church there in Dundalk, they'll, they'll look at them and say, man, those people, they look just like that church there in Antioch. Man, they, man I'd think they're Jesus if I didn't know Jesus was already dead. They look just like, they, they say the same things he does. They're doing the same things he does. They raise the dead like he does. They're healing the sick like he does. Casting out devils like he does. Completely changing cities from the inside out just like he did. Lord, may that be the reputation of your church in this land. Every city, every village, every town, may they be Holy Ghost churches full of the word of God. Releasing your goodness, flipping this continent, flipping this island. We'll start with this island. Flipping this island upside down for the glory of God. Lord, for we on this island can fulfill the calling and the destiny that you've placed upon our lives. Lord, I thank you for it, Lord. Lord, I glorify you for it. Thanking you, Lord, for, for permitting us, calling us to be the church. We are the called out ones. We are the separated ones. that are changing the spiritual climate everywhere you've planted us, Lord. So we thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for what you're doing in this family. Lord, we thank you for the revival that you're birthing in this house. We thank you for the fire that is lit, that is, that is changing us, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that, that the fire burns brighter and brighter, Lord, that people come and just to watch us burn, Lord, they come and get them some of what you're doing here, Lord, instead of just being spectators. Whew. I thank you for this family. I thank you for our calling to be ambassadors, yeah. the calling to be ministers of reconciliation. Whew. We thank you, Lord, that here at Island Church, we are covered by your blood, we are empowered by your word, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie